The information provided by Munro Partners is for educational purposes only and is not intended to include or constitute financial product advice. You should obtain independent advice from an Australian Financial Services licensee before making any investment decision. Hello and welcome to the Invest in the Journey podcast by Monroe Partners. My name is Taylor Bree Casey and in this episode I am joined by partner and portfolio manager Kieran Moore who will be helping me navigate what could be a complex topic of investing and that's capital preservation tools. Kieran who wears many hats at Monroe from PM to trader to self-awarded best coffee maker is here to explain which tools the investment team uses and in which situations they might deploy them. Welcome Kieran. Hi Taylor, thanks for having me. Kieran, before we get into the tools themselves, can you maybe explain what an absolute return fund is? For sure. So an absolute return fund is really about generating meaningful positive returns. Um, So what we think about meaningful positive returns to mean is that we ultimately want to deliver you roughly a 10% or double digit, we think, return over a three to five year view. So the way we do that is invest in some great growth opportunities from all around the world. But while how we deliver on that double digit or how we bring it back to that positive return is through these extra tools that we have available. So these capital preservation tools that we'll no doubt talk about today. Yeah, great answer. So at Monroe Partners, we are known for having a capital preservation mindset. Can you maybe explain what that means and also go through the tools available in the Monroe Global Growth Fund? Definitely. So the way we think about capital preservation is really about the objective of preserving capital first and foremost, and then making money second. Um, so growth investing is really about a journey. We think growth investing is, is a journey of earnings growth over a long period of time. And we try and find structural winners as much as possible. But having that capital preservation means that we have the mindset to be able to reduce and to, to use our risk tools when things do get a little bit bumpy along the way, when markets do become a little bit more volatile. I think the, the way to think about it with us is that we, we've got a real advantage in this area in terms of the way our business operates. So, so first of all, we're a partnership. So we think that really creates great alignment of interest, particularly on this capital preservation mindset. And also we operate the funds, the long short funds, with, with a high watermark. And so that high watermark really helps to incentivise us to not lose too much money. Can you explain what a high watermark is? Yeah, absolutely. So a high watermark is really, it's really an objective for us to not lose too much money of our clients, so to preserve the capital. So for example, if the fund starts at $100 in terms of its net asset value uh, and falls to $90, we don't charge a performance fee on the fund going back from $90 to $100 until it gets back to that high watermark. And can you maybe mention the, the tools that are available? In terms of our tools, I guess what we think about is a number of tools that we have at our disposal to try and achieve that capital preservation. So firstly, we have the ability to hold higher levels of cash. So we've got the ability to move the net exposure and the gross exposure up and down um, during periods of market volatility. We've got the ability to buy a put option. So a put option on the market or a particular stock to try and benefit if that stock or the market falls in value. We have the ability to short sell, obviously, which is benefiting from a stock falling in value. And then we have the ability to hedge or unhedge the currency. And we think of currency management as really a good, a good tool to try and preserve gains. The last and most important thing, I think, in the risk management process and the tools that we have available is our stop loss framework. So our stop loss framework is really about a review process. So it's a reaction function. So when we have a stock fall 20% from its cost price, or from its peak price since we bought that stock, 
we have an internal review, which is where we assess the investment case. And so that process really helps us to, to focus on cutting our losers quickly and, and running our winners. I think uh, Nick talks about that a little bit in one of our capital preservation mindset videos on our website. Um, but maybe could you explain what's the appeal of a long short fund? Yeah, absolutely. So the appeal of a long short fund is really knowing that as an investor, you've got exposure to some great growth opportunities from all around the world, but you have invest, you've invested in those opportunities in a risk-adjusted manner. So typically, when we're investing in growth assets, we're investing in longer duration assets. So they're really about focusing on where a company could be in, say, five years' time and how much earnings it's going to make in that time. And so by definition, when we're investing in those longer duration assets, typically those stocks might trade at higher multiples. Uh, And so being able to invest in in those companies or in those opportunities in a risk-adjusted manner where we're also focused on capital preservation is a really important thing. So those stocks will obviously move around depending on whether there's macro events or geopolitical uncertainties in the world today. But I suppose with a long short fund, really the focus is having those extra things available or having those extra tools available to manage through those difficult periods in markets. So you can invest in those great opportunities but do it in a risk-adjusted way that's appropriate for a retail investor. Okay, so let's – you've sort of mentioned them at a high level but let's work through the capital preservation tools. Firstly, put options. Can you describe in simple terms what a put put option is and how they've been used by Munro? Yeah, so put options, are, put options are a great tool to use for capital preservation. So put options, what we're really doing there is buying a small amount or spending a small amount of money on a put option that might be on the market, the broad market, or on an individual stock. And so these options are all fairly liquid. They're exchange traded. Um, so they're very transparent in how we use them. And so what we're doing is spending a small amount and buying premium. And so if the if the market goes down or the individual stock goes down, we obviously make money on that premium spent. And if the reverse happens, the maximum amount we can lose is actually only the premium we've paid. So we're not investing in super complex option strategies. Um, It's very, very plain vanilla and it's designed to really preserve capital. So it works a bit like insurance. That's exactly right. Insurance is a great word for it. So we're really just buying a small amount of insurance if there was a, a really adverse outcome in the market. Typically what we try and do is buy that insurance over particular catalysts. So, for example, the US Federal Reserve might be meeting or there might be a US CPI print and things like that. So you're not using them all year round? That's right. So we'll use them over those particular catalysts uh, and over particularly big market moving events where there could be risk uh, to the downside. And so what's an example um, where you've used put options over a big event? Yeah, so the, a, a really good example and the way I would encourage investors to think about our use of put options is really ar- around that COVID situation that we saw ourselves in in 2020. So in February 2020, if you think back, you know, there was this virus out there in China. Um, we didn't know whether that virus was going to spread and cause a global pandemic. We didn't know whether that virus was just going to go away uh, and we would all resume our lives as normal. And so a really good thing to do from our point of view, from a, from an absolute return fund point of view, is to buy a small amount of premium or spend a small amount of money buying an S&P put option. Um, if that first outcome had have occurred, so the pandemic obviously spread, or the, the virus spread outside China, it was going to clearly cause havoc in global markets around the world. Um, in that event, that put option money that we spent would obviously go up in value. If the reverse happened and, and 
the virus essentially went away and, and it became a sort of China isolated issue, then the market would probably resume as normal. Uh, and, and the most we'd lose is just the money we'd spent on that put option. So to us, that looks like a really good opportunity to buy some really short-term insurance. Shorting futures are, is also employed by Monroe on occasion. Why would you use futures instead of put options? Yeah, so shorting futures is a really good tool because essentially futures are available to to be able to trade at 22 hours a day. Um, they're really cheap to transact and they're really liquid. And so what we would do is typically we'd use futures when, you know, the payoff return or the payoff profile from a put option is it doesn't really stack up. So the cost of the put might be too high. And so what we look to there is, is really how much volatility is in the market. Um, so typically a measure of volatility, a good way people can see it is through the VIX indicator, so the volatility indicator. And so when there is inherently higher volatility in the market, typically puts don't offer you that, that good risk return profile um, if the market were to suffer a downdraft. And so that's where we would use futures. Um, futures have also have the ability to, we've got the ability to target certain regions or sectors. So for example, we might be able to short NASDAQ futures, um, we could short German DAX futures or we could even short Taiwanese futures. So over a particular catalyst, a particular geopolitical event or a particular regional event around the world. And so let's talk shorting. Are single stock shorts used for capital preservation or to generate alpha? Yeah, that's a great question. So single stock shorts are really the opposite of what we're trying to do on the long side. So when we invest in a long security, what we're ultimately trying to do is invest in a great area of interest. So an area of interest might be e-commerce, digital payments, climate change, and really try and identify a situation of structural earnings growth within that area. Naturally, when we find these areas, we often find there's structural losers on the other side of those areas. So for example, if we think about e-commerce, clearly retail will will slowly shift to e-commerce over time. But what that means is that you've got brick and mortar retailers, traditional retailers that effectively have to implode their profitability structure to try and keep up with what is a structural change in the retail or in the in the retail industry. And so traditional retailers, brick and mortar retailers might present themselves as a short opportunity. Now shorting can be really difficult. So you can make thousands of percent out of a long, but you can only make a hundred percent maximum out of a short. And you've typically got a management team on the other side of that business trying to trying to preserve it and trying to keep it going. And so we hold our shorts to a slightly higher risk threshold um, for that reason. So when we do our fundamental bottom-up work, we try and predict a short being able to fall 10 to 20% within six months. So we're really focused on short-term earnings decline. Um, We also hold them to a slightly higher risk threshold when we have our stop-loss process. So under our stop-loss process, on the short side, we review those shorts when they rise 10% from them from cost because in theory, as I said, your your potential downside is virtually unlimited with a short. Mm-hmm. And currency hedging is another tool. How does Monroe decide its hedging position? Yeah, so managing currencies is often really difficult. There are thousands and thousands of drivers of a particular currency. And so what we've really done in our in our long short funds, in our absolute return funds, is is really trying to distill it down to our to our base investor. So in Australia, our Aussie, in Aussie dollar investor and in, in Canada, our Canadian dollar investor point of view. And really what is trying to give us the best outcome on a, on a risk-adjusted basis for those domestic investors. And so since we've started the strategy over the short history of Munro Partners to date, we've really run the funds at roughly 50% base currency, Aussie dollars or Canadian dollars, and 50% US dollars. 
And so that we feel has given us the best risk reward profile um, through these periods where the markets can get volatile and difficult and through periods where we have good returns in markets. And so when, we, when things do get volatile, typically what we might do is move to have a slightly higher exposure to US dollars, for example, which is that safe haven currency. Uh, so we might tilt that exposure up from 50% to say 60 or 65% to give us that capital preservation benefit. I see. And you've also mentioned stop losses a couple of times throughout this episode. Do you think you could uh, give us a little bit more detail because they're somewhat unique to Munro? Absolutely. So stop losses are a really important part of our process. So stop losses for us really exist on two levels. So firstly, we have stop losses on the fund as a whole. So what I mean there is if the fund has a 3% drawdown, we review the gross exposure. Uh, And if the fund has a 5% drawdown, we review the net exposure. So really what we're trying to ask ourselves there is, do we have too much exposure on for the current market environment? Um, And do we have the best opportunity for for investors to get that double-digit return? So that's at the fund level. At the individual stock level, so we have a stop-loss review whenever a stock falls 20% from its peak price since we bought it or from its cost price. And so what that means is it's not an automatic sell. So we don't instantly sell that position, we have a review. So we have a reaction function for us to reassess our investment case. And so what that review really involves is that the individual stock champion, and remember this is where the power of the partnership and that alignment of interest really kicks in. So that individual stock champion has to defend that position to the rest of the investment team. And ultimately we, we all have to agree to keep that position. So it has to be a unanimous decision. And so I think the best way to think about that stop loss review process or that review process is through through a practical example. So a company like PayPal, for example, that triggered under a 20% fall from peak in late 2021. Uh, and so obviously we sat around as a team and, and ultimately what we did was we went through the fundamental earnings model. We went through our research pack. We looked at our assumptions. We re-engaged with the analysts. We re-engaged with the company to try and work out what was going wrong if there was something we missed in the investment case. Stop losses are a really good way to help us try and remove those natural biases that we do get in investing. Because by definition, naturally, what happens is we do a lot of bottom-up work and build a lot of conviction in the investment opportunities that we invest in. But ultimately, we need that arbitrary, repeatable process to be able to help us move on when a position isn't working. So coming back to that PayPal example, we sat around as the team and reviewed that position And ultimately what we found and what we realised was that PayPal ultimately was in a more competitive environment than we we realised. It had take rate pressures and also was spending a lot on sales and marketing in terms of customer acquisition because the payment space that PayPal operated in was, was naturally a bit more competitive than we thought. And so that review process, that process, that cathartic process of going through the investment case as a team and doing that bottom up work and checking out, checking our thesis really helped us try and avoid really helped us avoid that big down day when PayPal reported its its Q, Q4 earnings in, in February 2022. Uh, so really the stop losses are, are designed to be a repeatable process, they're designed to be an arbitrary process and we really do feel that they are uh, a really important part of that capital preservation mindset. And they, so, oh, sorry. They are used across all strategies though at Monroe. That's right, yeah. We're, we use them across all our funds. I think the last thing just to be aware of with the stop loss process, and this comes back to the absolute return long short strategy, is that 
when we do have stop losses going off in the fund, so we have these reaction decisions to be made, this review process, typically in the long short fund, we don't have to find something else to invest. If we decide to not defend a stock and move on from that stock, we don't have to invest in something else. We can hold those proceeds in cash. And so this is a really good way of us lowering exposure quite quickly and, and quite um, significantly over time when we do have these stop losses going off. And so moving to more recent market volatility in 2022, how has this drawdown been different to say the 2018 or 2020 drawdown? Yeah, great question. So really this drawdown in 2022 is much more similar to the 2018 style drawdown. So in 2018, if we think back, um, what we had then was a Fed Federal Reserve who were essentially tightening interest rates or raising interest rates into what was at the time a slowing economy. And then obviously in January of 2019, they had to take the foot off the gas uh, and really pause on that, on that tightening cycle. And so what we've, what we've got in 2022 is very much a similar sort of situation. So we've got a Fed who probably didn't act quick enough to deal with inflation at the start of the, start of the year uh, and is now moving to, to try and do their best to minimise that inflation. And so typically in these types of environments, what we find is that the market actually the market actually sells off and drifts over a long period of time, a much longer period of time to say compared to a, say a COVID situation, for example. Uh, and the reason for that is because the market is consistently focused on catalysts. So it's consistently focused on Federal Reserve meetings, CPI prints, unemployment prints, as we go through the months to try and work out whether that recessionary type outcome is still on the cards or not. Uh, and so that's why we've had a much more protracted drawdown um, but it's been much more similar to that 2018 style. You've worked for Munro since it started in July 2016 and had a very active role in managing the exposure levels and the capital preservation tools. When have been a couple of times where you've been really pleased uh, with how these have worked in practice? Yeah, I think I think the best time they worked in practice was really that COVID period in, in, in 2020, so that first quarter of 2020. And so what we saw there that was that all the tools actually worked really well in conjunction with each other. So the shorts, the FX, holding that higher level of US dollars and the put options, buying those put options really worked well together. Uh, and so pleasingly through that period, we were able to really preserve as much capital as possible or preserve quite a lot of capital for investors and, and be ultimately ready to redeploy that capital when, when the opportunity presented itself. And so, the, so during that period, the fund actually didn't really suffer uh, a significant drawdown um, on a month-to-month basis. We've been talking this whole time about capital preservation tools, which makes sense given the episode topic, uh, but your role is much broader and includes identifying new investment opportunities. What are some of the opportunities that you're excited about? Yeah, awesome. Great question. So we've been talking a lot about risk management, but they're ultimately through these periods of volatility in markets, really what comes out of it is great opportunities to invest. So bull markets can go for a long period of time uh, and be really great for investors over a number of years. So what it does is create opportunities. So two opportunities, big opportunities in the world today that we really like and, and see great potential for earnings growth are really in the big cap, high quality technology businesses. So what this correction or sell-off has done is, is been able to give you the opportunity as an investor to invest in a company like Microsoft or a company like Alphabet or potentially a company like Amazon. These are large cap companies with dominant market positions and really fundamentally strong earnings growth outlooks for the next you know, five to 10 years. Uh, and you can buy them now at reasonably attractive valuation levels versus history. 
So that's, that's the first area. We love some of those opportunities. The second area I think is, is really exciting on a, on a longer-term view and a medium-term view is, is around high-performance compute. So our high-performance computing area of interest is really about our semiconductor bet. So we've got a view that the semiconductor market is going to move from a half a trillion dollar market today to a trillion dollar market over 10 years, so over quite a short period of time. And that's going to be driven essentially by AI or artificial intelligence. And through our work, we've realised that there's actually only very few companies that can deliver on the compute power required for artificial intelligence. And that's companies like NVIDIA, companies like AMD, companies like ASML, all of which are in in the funds today, in the portfolios today. And so that's a really exciting area for us as we move forward and look to the next opportunity in markets. Do you have a favourite stock in the portfolio at the moment? On a medium-term view, I'd have to say Amazon, to be honest. Really? Okay. Interesting. So the biggest takeaway I have uh, taken from this episode is that individual capital preservation tools can be somewhat complex, but their mission is simple. uh, And the team deploys them to help smooth the journey for investors. Kieran, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks very much, Taylor. If you're keen to continue on the journey, head to the resources section of our website to learn more about any of the tools mentioned in this episode and for any additional information about our funds. 